Welcome to King of Glory Lutheran Church Education Podcast. We are a Christian community of faith located in Williamsburg, Virginia. For more information, please visit us on the web at kogva.org. It's our first day back to regular Bible study on Wednesday mornings. And uh, next week, Pastor Harmon will be with you. He'll be back and ready to teach. Um... Thank you for all of you who came out to the book club a couple of weeks ago. We'll do one more in August, but between now and August, we are squarely in prayer. We're talking about prayer. Um, And the sign-in sheet is going around, if you could sign in as that comes around, as well as the prayer from this morning uh, in A Diary of Private Prayer by John Bailey. Uh, that's the prayer that we're going to open with this morning. want to welcome those of you who are joining us online, either live right now or uh, watching this later. And if you don't have a copy of A Diary of Private Prayer, let us know. We have a few more left, and you can pick one up or we can try to send one to you. Um, same thing for everyone in here. If you don't have a copy yet, I'm assuming you all kind of do because I've seen you over the last couple of weeks. Um, but we do have a few, we do have a few left yet. Um, so let's open in this word of prayer. This is from this morning. I don't know about you. Maybe you've already prayed it today. Um, but let's pray this aloud together. Lord of my life, whose commands I am eager to keep, whose fellowship I am eager to enjoy, and to whose service I am eager to be loyal, I kneel before you as you send me out to serve you. Thank you, Lord, for this new day, for its gladness and brightness, for its many hours waiting to be filled with joyful and helpful labor, for its open doors of possibility, for its hope of new beginnings. Stir up in my heart the desire to make the very most of today's opportunities. Do not let me break any of yesterday's promises or leave unrepaired any of yesterday's wrongs. Do not let me see anyone in distress and pass by on the other side. Give me the strength to confront any mountain of duty or bad habit, where an action of mine can make this world a better place, where a word of mine can cheer a sad heart or strengthen a weak will, where a prayer of mine can serve Christ's kingdom. There let me act and speak and pray. This day, O Lord... Give me courtesy, give me both gentleness of demeanor and decisiveness of character, give me patience, give me love, give me self-control and faithfulness in my relationships, give me sincerity in my speech, give me diligence in the work you have given me to do. O Lord, who when the time was right raised up our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to enlighten our hearts with the knowledge of your love. Grant me the grace to be worthy of his name. Amen. Whew. We just prayed. Yes. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. Only 10% of your behavior is left after we just prayed for all of this, right? Um, I have found that this prayer book is very encompassing. Um, and many people have said to me, it's like I wrote that prayer, right? Uh, at, at different points, I think, oh, that's what I was trying to pray. Um, and this, this one actually kind of reminds me 
of Luther when he, um, in his small catechism, talks about saying, um, you can say the Lord's Prayer, or you can, you know, in the beginning of the morning, make the sign of the cross, remember your baptism, and then I think he says something, and go cheerfully about your work. <laughs> um, and this is like, we are bright, and we are eager to do this, and sometimes we're, sometimes we're not, right? <laughs> uh, and so this... This should be our prayer. This could be our prayer. Um, And so today we're actually talking about the praying community. That is the topic of today's Bible study. What Pastor Harmon and I did was go through a list of different prayers in Scripture and kind of, you know, parse them out throughout the summer. So next week it'll be something else. It'll be a different prayer um, from Scripture. Uh, Today we're going to be in Acts, but I thought, and I don't know if Pastor's going to do this prayer every week, but I thought, especially for the praying community week, we should start... Uh, in the same prayer, right? Uh, The praying community praying this prayer together. So we are going to be in Acts um, chapter 12 today. Excuse me, my uh, allergies are... What Bob Burns said to me today, right? Bob, you said, are you enjoying this cool weather? And I said, oh, yes, you know, as a joke. And my my allergies are perfectly fine today, too. (laughs) Um, So excuse me as I clear my throat probably a couple more times. Uh, We're going to be in Acts chapter 12... And uh, if we could have maybe two different people who would be willing to read today, you could let Larry know. You can raise your hand so Larry can bring it to you. Barb? Yeah, Barb McKenna will read one. And then who could finish us up? Barb, can you finish us up? Okay, Mike? Okay, we're we're signing Acts chapter 12. Um, We're going to read 1 through um, 17. So, Barb, maybe if you can bring us to uh, the end of chapter 11, and then Mike can can bring us chapter, or not chapter 11, verse 11, and then he can pick us up with verse 12. Okay. All right, thanks. Okay. Um, Peter's miraculous escape from prison. Mm -hmm. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and <coughs> sorry, sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrist. Then the angel said to him, Put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards, then came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they walked through it. When they had walked through the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him.
When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has seen his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all the Jewish people who were expecting. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice, in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you're out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. Okay, thank you. So I actually expanded it a little bit um, from what we were really just going to be concentrating just on the prayer part, but I thought to give us some context of what was happening and uh, who put Peter in jail, <laughs> right, uh, that we should start a little bit earlier in that chapter. So first, first reactions or questions or responses or thoughts that come to you as you read and listen along to that passage. What's going on there? What are some things that maybe jump out at you? <laughs> Hysterically, yeah. I'm sorry, it's like a skit, mm-hmm. like a youth group skit on a Bible story because <laughs> the church is praying and then they don't believe that what they're praying for will right. happen. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, a little, it, it's a little funny, right? That, yeah, like it, yeah. And I like the idea of that it's a skit, right? Because this is how maybe you would um, create a, a narrative, create a skit to show the power of prayer. Right? And, and the audience is like, right, in our unbelief, right? And the audience is like, hey, wait, you're, you're getting what you asked for, right? Um, so, yeah, it's kind of funny. Barbara, do you have any response to your reaction? Yeah, it's It may have uh, uh, shown it some other place, but they said, and they were praying. What were they praying for? for? Good question. Yeah, good question. We're going to jump into that. Yeah. We, it doesn't say, right? Yeah. Good question. So we begin, right? The members of this church, uh, they're targeted because they're the apostles. Uh, the first victim here is James. And who is James? Son of right? Zebedee, yep, son of Nick, right? And so we have James, he's the first apostle, apostle to be martyred, which was a fulfillment. And we've actually talked about this, I think, in this Bible study on Sunday or Monday morning before, of the promise that Jesus made to him way back, right? And Jesus, which is not really way back for them, but way back for us, when Jesus was walking around and teaching. And um, James and his brother had asked Jesus to be at the left, his left, and his right, right? And Jesus said, you will drink this cup, but this is not for me to give you. I don't get to say who's at my left and my right. There's somebody else, right? God, God in heaven is going to say that. 
And yet, he did say, you are going to drink from this cup and share in my baptism. Jesus didn't promise that they were going to die together, that the two brothers would die together. And he didn't promise that they would both die at a similar death, right? Um, and I, I know we talk about this because as we were leading up to um, Holy Week, and we were talking about how they didn't know what they were asking, right? They didn't know what they were asking. They were asking for something that they thought was um, good, right? And ultimately it is good to get the last word of Jesus, but they were thinking that this is a prestigious position, that this is something that... Um, you know, that gain them fame and honor and glory, and yet they don't know what they're asking that Jesus does. Jesus knows what they're asking. And so we have James, who is first killed, um, and his brother John goes on to live a really long life. <laughs> right? He lives a really long life. He, um, is, he thinks the only apostle who died of natural causes, um, who was not murdered. And so John continues to go uh, and live, but James, James does not. Notice that Peter was put in prison when? When was he put in prison? When did he say Right. Before Passover, before the days of unleavened bread, right? Peter's put in prison before that because Herod doesn't want people to be sympathized with him. Right? When was Jesus arrested? Right at the precipice, right, of Passover. He's right there. And people were up in arms about that, you know, on both sides. Herod doesn't want to have, you know, other people thinking, oh, we want to be sympathetic to this guy. We want to, you know, maybe save him. So Herod kind of, I view it like, okay, we're just going to take him and put him away. Right? Nobody, nobody needs to know where Peter is right now. Um, he's not out there, you know, preaching, but other people are, and that's okay, you know. But we want Peter because Peter is Peter, right? He is just as bold as he was, and he's stumbling. He's as bold for Jesus now, right? He's out there. He's preaching. He's teaching. He's in the streets. He's in the synagogues. He's talking to people, and and really, Herod doesn't really quite want that right now, right? He, he's kind of a little bit better if they're a little bit quieter. Um, but, but Peter, he's bold and he's out there. And so he just, he just kind of tucks him away and nobody knows where Peter is except for, you know, his, his immediate church. Um, he also guarded him closely in order to make sure that Peter would be able to be brought out right after Passover. Right? He's not going to prolong this. He's going to bring him right out after Passover and make an example of or so <laughs> Until the praying community starts praying, and um, and God does something miraculous here. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. So there's a few things, right? This is really the crux of our Bible study right here, which is it's just one sentence, so that's why we're going to more. Because as much as this is a good sentence, we want to make sure that we don't overread, you know, into it. Um, but it's interesting that the church takes this posture of prayer right away. What are the other things? What, what else could they have done? What else could they have done? They could have rioted in the streets, right? What else? They could have gotten themselves arrested, right? They could have 
They could have gone and they could have tried to petition to Herod, but they could have gotten themselves arrested. Instead, that they take this posture of prayer. Um, James 5.16 says that the prayer of righteous people has great power in its effects. And we see that playing out in this passage. And it's interesting because their power of prayer was having an effect that they didn't even know it was having at that point. And then they don't believe it, right? They're, they're, they're shocked at the power of prayer for God's son. But at that moment, they are praying, and they don't know what's happening in the greater kingdom of God. So we just started about 10 minutes ago, right? And we were praying a prayer. How often do you think, or how often do we think, that while we're praying something, that God is already at work? Sometimes I think um, it's when we say the amen. <laughs> like God is waiting to do some sort of action for us to get, you know, put the, put the amen at the end of that prayer. Um, and this shows that that's not the case, right? And we know that. We know that because, you know, we, we understand that God does not wait for us to get to pray. Um, but we are praying. And while we're praying, God can be on the And I think this illustrates that really, really well. Going to Linda's question, uh, what were they praying? What were they praying? I have some ideas. Um, we don't know, right? We know that they were praying for Peter. What else do you think they could have been praying for? Themselves, okay? Protection, right? Because Peter knows them, right? And so they want to also not be found out, so yeah. What else is Peter for their church, James, right? James, who had just passed away. For their church. What else? All the people who don't have their Could they have been praying for Herod? That is what I want to know. Do we pray for the people who hold our faith in their hands? Or our temporal faith, right? I don't know. If, I think if they were praying for Peter, so when we pray for people, um, Mary and Elsass gave me this great illustration. He's having knee surgery today. Um, he was having knee surgery. And on Sunday, after the other class, he came up and he said, um, you have to pray for the wrong person. But what? <laughs> I'm pretty sure Linda told me that you were having knee replacement surgery. He said, no, you should have been praying for Dr. So-and-so. I'm not doing the surgery. I'm just laying there. I said, okay, Marianne, it's all encompassing prayer, right? <laughs> but we do. I know when I pray with people before they go into surgery or when they are recovering or they're in the hospital, I pray for the doctors and nurses if people are caring for them, right? So we know that people, it's not just about that one person. Yeah, maybe they were praying for Herod as well. Who else could they have been praying for? Or what else? Yeah. If they prayed for boldness, and I wonder if they're praying for boldness again. Because yeah. <laughs> Peter had been bold, but maybe yeah. some of them weren't. Maybe some of them weren't, yeah. Good point, yeah. Maybe they were praying for boldness, or right? Well, under the radar, maybe not. Um, I also think they could have been praying for any of Peter's relatives, right? about, you know, when you pray for, for someone who's in need, you pray for their other uh, people around them as well. So, Linda, I always love your questions because they get right into the, you know, <laughs> what's happening here. 
We don't know, but we do know that they were praying for Peter. I don't think it's too much of a stretch to think that um, they are praying to me. We are praying to me, right? We have learned from the uh, people our ancestors before us who pray for and have a friend. And so, yeah, I think that it's, it's very possible that they were also praying for the people. Any thoughts before we move on? All right. Let's keep going. Uh, verse 6. The night before Herod was to bring him trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. He was sleeping <laughs> between two soldiers. Peter is about to be brought to trial. Peter was where Jesus was when Jesus was brought to trial. I am not sure that I would be like Peter, right? Would you be like Peter? You saw your God, your best friend, your Lord, killed, and yes, resurrected, but killed. And where is Peter? He's asleep between two gods. And he's sleeping sound. One commentator said it was like, um, it's the sleep of peace, a calm that you don't have any worries on your mind. And I just, I marvel at that. I think that's incredible that, that Peter is so sure that God is in control no matter what is going to happen, that he can sleep between these two centuries. And then suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. Does Peter wake up yet? Nope. <laughs> He's still sleeping. A light. Remember, what, what's the time period here? They don't have, they don't have electric lights, right? You, you don't have a light that lightens, brightens the entire cell at any time, unless you have all the lights in, in all of the areas, you know, in there. And yet this bright light is shining, and Peter still doesn't get that. But what does, <laughs> I don't think it's clear. What does the angel do? He hits him. <laughs> Like, like, I just think it's funny. Like, you know, it's not, he struck Peter on the side and woke him up. And I thought, oh, okay, there you go. God's just like, and you're up. Let's go here, right? We've got things to do. He's quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrist. Uh, so he's sleeping so soundly, and then he's been hit by this angel. Uh, I think we can learn something from Peter here, right? How many times do you lay awake with your words? You don't have I don't need I don't need the number of nights that you do that. My guess is that if you're not, you have been at some point in your life, right? Laying awake at night, lying awake at night, um, wondering what God is doing, wondering how you might get out of the situation, wondering what's going to happen next. Um, and instead of worrying and being waiting up all night, or interestingly, even praying for himself. Peter is soundly trusting the Lord's confidence. Um, so then the angel begins to command his moves, and Peter's in this like trance-like state, right? So he doesn't really quite understand what's happening. He thinks it's a dream. What a great thing to have, though, right? <laughs> like that he thinks it's a dream. His, okay, he was a sound asleep, and then the Lord is resting. Um, this is unlike Paul and Silas's escape, right? They're miraculous escape from jail. When, when they were up praying and singing all night, which is another example, right, of how we can, how we can face adversity and face our worries. They were up praying and singing all night, and in their state, they were fully aware of what was happening. Right? They were fully aware. 
And they were so concerned for the people, for the guy that was, the jailer that was uh, guarding them, that they went to his house and baptized his whole house. Right? They were so, they were so concerned for Peter, on the other hand, he's like in the translate state. The angels commanding his moves, um, and he just goes to the angel without questioning. Uh, then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. Peter did so, wrapped the cloak around him, he was following um, The angel told Peter to follow him out of the prison. He had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was in prison. He passed the first and second guard. So what's happening here? It's not just some miraculous, the angels need to get him. What's happening? They're passing right by these guards. Right. It's not like Harry Potter and the Invisibility Cloak. If any of you are familiar with Harry Potter, if you are in the Invisibility Cloak, you have to his school guards, basically. Um, but it's kind of similar, right? That God is like shielding Peter somehow from from these guards. Um, and again, if you think about how uh, how bent on um, destroying this movement that Harry was, right, and keeping Peter from being able to preach the word of Jesus, um, it's pretty amazing that he got through all these things. It's, you know, Luke um, and Acts are written uh, in a way that gives us a lot of detail, right? a lot of detail, people's emotions, people's physical uh, ailments or how they're, how they're interacting. And so we see this, not just in Luke, but we also see this in Acts here, where it's Yes, could it be um, that Peter snuck out? Okay, sure, he could have, right, by by himself. Probably not, right, and not to this detail. And so I think when we read this, we can see that it's not just Peter was here and then he was there. It's Peter was here and he was walking by these guards and these things were happening. You know, it gives it a little bit more depth and a little bit more weight to the air. Um, Peter came to him, so the angel left him, then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the word is that the angel rescued the parents' clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping to happen. Clear. He needs to get his step. The detail, to say, now he knew for sure that he was going to be rescued. That detail of, the angel says, put on your clothes and your shoes, you're saying whatever it was. Jesus had told Peter, when he did the three times, do you love me? And and, uh, Peter wants to know what's going to happen in the future. And Jesus says, a really funny statement. When you were young, you used to dress yourself and go wherever you wanted to go. But in the future, Peter, somebody else is going to dress you, and you're going to have to go where they lead you, which had to have been what happened with the guards. If he's chained, probably they took his stuff off. So I wonder if it, that's part of it. This angel has come, yeah. and now he's able to put on his clothes. Yeah. So this isn't it. Yeah. This isn't the end. This isn't the end. Yeah. Interesting, right? And it's interesting that... Not only did you, yeah, you're right. When Jesus says it, it's kind of like, what is Jesus? Kind of what is Jesus talking about here, right? Yeah, yeah. And and we don't know, right? And we don't know in that um, that account when when Jesus is in the story of Peter. We don't know all the other things Jesus could have said, right? John himself says 
that they're far more sane than we said and, and, and things that Jesus did. But just the interesting thing that that is what the gospel writers captured. Yeah. They went back to Mark's. They went back to Mark's house, yeah. and Mark is the one that tells us that detail. Yeah. So did Peter come and say, "That's how I knew," because Jesus had said this to me. Yeah. I, I mean, those two details. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It is. Right. <laughs> and I think that I think that also helps us in our own faith journey. Think about all the times that you have heard something. Or that you have encountered something with scripture, or maybe someone has told you that they're praying to you, and and this is you know sometimes it's past, but it's not like you know, 25 years or anything. But, you know, there's, there's some time here where it could be that Peter may have forgotten, or it could be it's not at the forefront of his mind. But then you kind of come back and go, oh, yeah, I forgot to do this, right? Um, there's more. There's more than we see, right? In, in a lot of ways. Um, so we see that he wakes up, realizes it's happening. He knows that the Lord is resting him. He doesn't think that he did it, uh, right? Um, one writer says that the narrative bears witness to the delivering grace of God and to the power of the evening prayer. The narrative bears witness to the delivering grace of God and to the power of the evening prayer. Verse 12. When this had drawn in him, he went to the house of Mary's mother, John, also called Mark, where many people gathered and praying. So Peter's going back to his community. He's going back to his church now, right? So he's at, he's at the glory. He's knocking on the door. Um, he's ringing the bell. And a servant named Rhoda comes and takes him to the door. Here we get with that detail. Right? The servant's name is in here. We know that God does this, that he has people's names included in the Bible for a reason. And we know that Rhoda came to the door. Um, when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back about opening to say, Peter is at the door. <laughs> I just think it's I think this whole passage is a little fun, right? The angel will come and Peter, Peter doesn't know what's going on, he knows what's going on, and then he can't even get into <laughs> And no one's coming, she won't open the door. Um, he doesn't he doesn't know if he's really been missed yet or not. He doesn't know if there's a reason for him. Because remember, this is not the day and age you live, where we'll be on YouTube in like a second, right? Or somebody will have tweeted it, or it'll be on CNN, but whatever it is. I don't watch news news, I don't have those stations, so whatever news stations you watch, it will be on there, right? So they, Peter doesn't really know. No one's coming to visit him in prison, no one's supplying him with food. The parents, remember, has kind of kept him away. And so Peter doesn't really know, but he, he probably figures that they, they may have missed, you know, the him by now. Um, he, but Peter keeps on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. And he doesn't really know what's going on in there, but he's probably quietly knocking because he knows that where are they going to go look for him first? Back in his church, right? Where is he going to be? He's going to be back in his church. That's his community. Those are the people that he takes care of. They take care of him. And so he doesn't want to make, you know, a big scene. Uh, and, and so they they let him in. Um, he proceeds to bring him up to speed on all that has been happening and wants to share the word with James and the other brothers and sisters. Um, this is important for them to share because Peter can't go and share it, right? He, he can't go. He's now, he's known, they know that he's out, and then he goes and he's gone to another place. 
did they, he did not want them to be caught, or he did not want them to So Peter just said not to and then he comes in, there's this cross. There's just a yeah. If they were praying for him, right? They they didn't realize the power of prayer. Well, maybe they didn't know that it would be so quick, right? We don't know why the other James was killed at the end of the passage, but Peter was not, right? And so we can't conclude that no one was praying for James, right? We just know that that was what was happening to James. This is what was happening to Peter. Um, but they don't quite, they don't quite get it. They don't understand why they would be, would be there. It's just interesting that when they were praying, they don't know what God is doing and that God is already working against that. How often do you do that? How often are you surprised by God? So what do we learn about a praying community? What do we learn about that? I think um, we have to recognize that there, I think the way I like to say it is there truly is power in prayer uh, come together as a group. Um, the more uh, intensified we can be in our prayer, the stronger it can be. There's power in that. That power in prayer also power in the group prayer together. Right? What else do we do? What do we do? I have thoughts, I'm not saying these are the right thoughts, but I have thoughts that I have to do with you. Those are the Or what we can learn from our thoughts. Just from personal experience, um, when I was going through my original diagnosis with cancer, um, I had prayer coming in from all over the world, and um, it was truly empowering to know that it wasn't just one small part, just not just my family praying for me or my King of Glory family praying for me, but it was like almost unbelievable to think that people that I had in England praying for me, in Ireland praying for me, in uh, South Korea where my niece and nephew were living praying for me, uh, that it was just like to think that you could be so far and yet have, have such a large group praying um, made such a difference in what you, in in believing the strength and what would happen because of the prayer. Okay. Okay. 
It's my belief that one of the sweetest prayers that God hears is intercessory prayer, where we're praying for others, not for our own needs, but for the needs of somebody else. And, and it's interesting that they go back to John Mark's mother's house, which is where they have church. You know, they, they went back to church, not scattered to their own homes to pray individually. You don't know how long they're there, right? And they're there at night, so they may have gone just for the night time. But if Peter's sleeping, if the guards are, you know, you see the guards, we're we're assuming that he's in hot times, right? Um, so it's not. So we're assuming that it's probably a little later into the night, and that's where they are. In someone's house, but it's their church, right? So how?
right? We don't we don't know what God's will is in that, um, but we do know. And George Logan said this sometimes. Pastor Logan said, um, God's will is never to hurt or to destroy or to kill or to um, make our lives miserable, right? So we can trust that God's will is um, is always going to be for the advancement of the kingdom and glory and so it's just interesting because I think prayer can be one of those topics where we then say, well, why aren't all these things in these answers that they get And I don't think, I don't think I've met anyone who's been struggling with that. And yet, we do see these examples of prayer where God is answering and answering And so we do want to be like Jesus to say, take this talk before you're looking at but we also want to be like the persistent widow, right? And, and coming back to God and saying, hey, please, please, right? Please do this person. Please do this person. And if not, in that person's life, maybe you can work No matter what that situation is, maybe you can work on I think the other thing that we can learn, and this is a little bit more from Peter, maybe, um, in this, when we witness a miracle or an answered prayer, we should tell people, right? We should tell our brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, we often hear prayer requests, but we don't always hear the prayer outcome. And Peter, Peter doesn't just say, okay, great, let's just stay here and, you know, praise Jesus and all that and let's keep it into it. No, he says, now go tell James and the brothers and sisters and tell them what God has done to So Peter recognizes that in this power of prayer and what God has done by rescuing him, that there is something for other people to be learning. And I, I, I don't know. I think sometimes we just don't, you know? I, I don't know if it's because we don't want to tell people that the outcome, whether it's good or bad, or we just kind of forget. Um, but I just said to Elizabeth in office, um, I am so thankful that someone called to update the prayers because we are going to be praying today at our end. Um, for our prayer list from our prayer request from this past Sunday, and uh, Jim Edmonds is on this prayer list. But guess what he did? He emailed us and told us, hey, prayers are good, you know, I'm good, my back is healed, I'm okay, you can take me on the prayer list. And told us, this is the answer to my prayer, <laughs> right? How am I going to illustrate this? Uh, update the prayer list, tell us what happens, right? Tell us, tell us what things. tell your friends, tell your brothers and in Christ when someone has been answered one way or the other, um, right? Because if it's answered in a way that is not necessarily the way that you were praying for, um, the prayer may switch that, right? For acceptance, or for other people, or, you know, it's a situation of power or So I think those are the things that we can learn. Anyone else come up with anything to follow I want to reference um, a book that I'm reading that I think is extremely interesting. And I asked Kara uh, earlier this summer, I said, I need to read a good book, a Jesus book. I said, can you give me a good book I can read? So she gave me a list of books, and I picked out this one. Um, it's called Jesus Speaks, and it's by Leonard Sweet. And I, I wrote down in the front uh, label here one of my notes, and he, he says that we have to make our um, 
our study of faith a story. We have to keep it a story and not get, I love his term, versitis. Um, Not just learn the verses and just study the verses, but learn the story. And one of the things that he says that makes the story so amazing is that we have images and that we have stories and that we have a soundtrack. And when you think about all of those people praying for Peter and probably for James and maybe for Herod and forever, all of those things we were praying about, they probably were singing at the same time. And they probably were thinking of the, the images of what they had seen if they saw the execution or if they had seen other horrific sights and if they had other horrifying things in their minds. And you know those are the things that stay with us more than anything. Um, and they, they probably were talking about the stories and all of that intensifies their prayer so much more. And um, as we all are praying, and when we are together, most often don't we all have those things with us? Yeah, they probably were, right? They probably were sitting in the pad that was collecting images. You know, and I'm thinking if I were Mrs. Barjona, whatever, you know, whatever her Maybe she's called Concordia. We, we yeah. think she may have been. But anyway, if I were she, or if she were I, I would, because this is the way I would be, and my husband were there, but I knew that he knew he was going to be led to death someday. Yeah. You'd be persecuted. I, don't, I would be telling myself, Claire, you're too close to this, so either just be praying for strength and for hair and all that stuff, and don't try to get in the way of his martyrdom. Um, or I would have just been saying, Spirit, you're going to have to pray with sighs too deep for words because I can't do it. But it would have been really important for me to hear those other prayers of the others who in faith were praying the things that I would be telling myself, you're too close. You're too close to this situation to know God's will. So don't start asking him to do things that you don't know is his will. I, I don't know. Yeah. It reminds me, I was in the leadership class last month, and, um, and the first night they had, you know, they were meeting people, and they said, Paraphrase, one other person, you don't know, what you know um, And so some people came with other people from the churches. And so I uh, met this woman, and her name is Julie, and she said, tell one thing about yourself, you know, you have a minute, they were really good on time. How to get it done in the amount of time to get what to go over. Um, and so tell somebody, you know, something about this, and you got deeper and deeper, you know, say something that you're worried about, say something that you're excited about, say. And it kept going back and forth. And the last thing was, now pray for that person. Um, and maybe other people saw that coming. Um, on that, I kind of did, because, like, I do this, you know, I get a lot of conferences, but, like, I don't know, maybe this is just one of their get to know because I know they do that a lot. Right, they have a lot of good things for the entire week. And then they said, you are going to do prayer partners for the rest of the week. Um, which was really interesting because it was my concerns, my worries, being reflected, hearing how the spirit was being heard of for me. Right? And maybe some of the things I wouldn't pray for myself, she was praying. 
Um, and I have the trust that God is God is working in her life, right, as a life of a believer, and that she's being led to pray, maybe some things that I would pray. Um, so I, I really resonate with what it is a very common. Somebody else is training, and maybe not when you feel like you don't, you shouldn't be training. Okay. So the praying community, we're going to do the praying community. Uh, I invite you to open up your Bibles to Psalm 145. I should tell you again, I don't know how Pastor Harmon is going to do the other praying thing, so today is too much praying for you, I'll let it know. I'm going to pass these out. These are the, this is the back of our um, worship folder. Uh, and I invite you to take one. I, I photocopy the back. Um, you know, we always say, please take this prayer guide home and pray for those on it. And I don't know if you do. But we're going to do that today as we close out. Um, and what I want actually is um, I need three people who would be willing to be named aloud. And you don't have to say it, but you can go to God and do it. If you can take prayers today and request through um, continuing prayers for the past few weeks. And then I think someone who do the ongoing prayer request, Mike, okay? And then someone who can do pregnancy, God's protection, and relationship. Mike, okay? So Larry, if you don't mind being our brother throughout that, that'd be great. Um, we're going to start with Psalm 145. Uh, this is that our Jewish friends uh, pray together. Usually, um, we'll, we'll pray at once. What I would invite you to do is uh, let's have the women will we'll take the odd number of the odd verses, and then the men will take the even numbers. And I invite you to stand as you are able. And then after that, you can sit as we pray through this prayer. I will exalt you, my God, the King, and I will let you reign forever and ever.
So, Lord, we ask for you to be the one who fulfills the mission of the church here at King of Glory, that all may know the love of Jesus. We ask you to give us your strength in building the vision together. We pray for Darren Beilstein, Michael Dignall, friend of Chris Beilstein, Lori Johnson, Mr. Terry Weber. Oh, For those persecuted, Lord, they look to you, and we pray for them to be strengthened. Christians in Kenya, in Burkina Faso, Iraq, China, and those in the U.S., for pastors sharing Bible translations in dangerous countries, and for our school, King of Glory, and our local schools, the Concordia University system, and then those for whom we've been praying, Ben, Herb DeWall, and Kim Johnson. And for our ongoing prayer request, we pray for Fred Atrod, John Bookless, Sean and Katie Burnett, Jan Crawford, Jim Dobler, Carol Forston, Carolyn Francis, Catherine Hecadon, Gail Holsworth, Larry Hyden, Art Kringle, Janice Larson, Peter Legman, Doris Manley, John McDermott, Barb McKenna, Oli Olson, Orlin Ott, Carol Powell, Alberta Rogers, Robert Sandridge, James and Marlene Simmons, Kendall Snyder, Jerome Svenicki, Lori Tibbetts, Larry Van Doren, Wendy Waldeck, Bill Warren, Trudy Weekly, Freddie Whitaker, Ed Wilner, Sue Wolf. Claudia, daughter of Bob Howell, Heather Bobbitt, daughter-in-law of Robin Jackie Bobbitt, Sarah Wren, granddaughter of Diane Katsuka. For God's protection, Michael Goscock, <coughs> Air Force being deployed, son-in-law of Bob Howell. For Johnny Brewink, in the Air Force in Afghanistan, friend of the Bobbitts, Jack McDermott, in our U.S. Army, deployed to the Middle East, son of Pat and John McDermott. Christian Mendez, our Army, in Africa, friend of Megan Darcy. Casey Gibbon, Marine Corps, Camp Lejeune, grandson of Deb Wagner. Michael Francis, our Army, Fort Stewart, grandson of Chuck and Carolyn Francis. Tricia Walter, Ramstein Air Force Base in Germany, granddaughter of Kathy and Dale Walter. 
Jesse Bryant in our Army, Fort Campbell, Kentucky, son of Joy and Rob Bryant. Nathan Doty, our Air Force, Colorado, friend of the Christophers. Jonathan Holland, Bahrain, son of Lisa and Lamont Tucker. Billy Borowski, our Air Force, Scott Air Force Base in Illinois, son of Karen Dowdall. James Duffy, our U.S. Navy in Bahrain, son of Emily and John Duffy. Matthew Zolfi, our Army in Germany, son of Robin and Bruce Zolfi, men and women of the armed forces. The mission of our church for those who are unchurched, for the KOG staff, KOG leadership, and KOG school. Thank you for listening to the King of Glory Church Education Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God and His people, grow in faith and love, and live through service and sharing. Visit us on the web at kogva.org.